Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Stalled border talks. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka. On this Monday, December 18th, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Senate negotiators failed over the weekend to reach an agreement on supplemental funding for Ukraine that's tied to immigration policy changes. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is visiting Israel just days after the Israeli military accidentally killed three hostages. A car ran into an SUV that was part of President Biden's security detail. It happened as he exited campaign headquarters in Delaware. And would you be more willing to so Socialize with coworkers if you got paid to do it. And so what this company is trying to do is sometimes we do big company parties at the holidays and nobody wants to come to that. You know, very few people do. So what if instead of doing that, we took that budget and we gave it to you to utilize to socialize on your terms with your colleague? Career expert Julie Bauke on getting paid to socialize outside of work. No deal this year. That's the prediction from South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham regarding an agreement on changes to southern border policy. He was on NBC's Meet the Press discussing weeks of negotiations over supplemental funding for Ukraine and Israel. The lack of a breakthrough by the self-imposed weekend deadline comes even after the Biden administration signaled it was prepared to make significant concessions on immigration policy. But talks are set to resume today. Delaware Democrat Chris Coons on CBS's Face the Nation. I have spoken with a number of the negotiators. They have been working hard this weekend. I am hopeful that we can reach a conclusion this coming week. Republicans insist there needs to be a change on the U.S. southern border where migrant surges have strained federal resources to move forward with funding for Ukraine. A group of 15 senators yesterday asked Republican leaders to schedule a meeting of the GOP conference the week of January 8th when the House is back in session and put off a vote until after that. There are fresh calls from European leaders for Israel's government to pause hostilities in Gaza after a series of shootings, including the mistaken killing of three Israeli hostages. Israeli Defense Forces spokesman Richard Hecht. A tragic event. We came out and said this is the nature of this conflict and a terrible event. We were very transparent about it, but we'll keep fighting. In Israel yesterday, the French foreign minister, Catherine Colonna, called for an immediate truce aimed at releasing more hostages. The foreign ministers of the UK and Germany, meanwhile, called for a sustainable ceasefire, saying too many civilians have been killed. The Gaza Health Ministry claims roughly 19,000 deaths. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin visits Israel today. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has vowed to eliminate Hamas, which conducted a terror attack on Israel in early October that killed 1,200 people, mostly civilians. Hamas is also believed to have more than 100 hostages. Some startling moments for President Biden and the First Lady last evening as they left campaign headquarters in Delaware. A car collided with a motorcade SUV that was part of the president's security detail. We get more from this morning's Dave Duncan. A car plowed into a parked SUV blocking an intersection in Wilmington as it shielded the president's motorcade. Neither the president nor the First Lady was injured. The security breach happened just after 8 p.m., Reporters traveling with the Bidens said moments after the president responded to a question from reporters, a silver sedan with Delaware plates hit the security detail SUV. Agents quickly cornered the sedan and pulled their weapons on the driver, who held up his hands while the press was escorted back to their van. 
Gordon. Thank you, Dave. President Biden was ushered into his vehicle. The motorcade left the scene shortly after and arrived back at the Biden's residence 11 minutes later. A Secret Service spokesman said in an emailed statement last night there was no protective interest associated with this event and the president's motorcade departed without incident. Hey everyone, it's Gordon Deal here to talk about some of the most fun you can have if you love sports, and that's with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. You pick more than or less than on a handful of player projections and watch the winnings roll in. For example, mix and match football and basketball. Maybe your entry is Christian McCaffrey for more than 99 yards rushing and Jason Tatum for fewer than eight rebounds. If you know your stuff, you can turn 10 bucks into $250 with just a few taps. My friends and I love it. To get started and have your first deposit matched up to $100, go to prizepicks.com slash deal and use code deal. Also, if a player you pick gets injured and leaves the game, PrizePicks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Your player is rebooted. prizepicks.com slash deal and use the code deal. That's prizepicks.com slash deal and the code DEAL. Again, prizepicks.com slash deal and code DEAL. Hey, thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday. If you're still worried about inflation, it's probably safe to start relaxing. The biggest economic problem of the last two years has been steadily improving. However, there remains one problem left, and that's rent. More from Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. Rick, take us through it. The stubborn holdout is rent, and renters know it. Uh, they've been paying more, and um, that's tough. I mean, they feel it, and that's uh, for, for for most renters, that's their biggest expense. But uh, we we Yahoo Finance, we've been tracking um, um, inflation on a month by month basis since 2021 to figure out where the inflation is and where inflation is not. So what we look at is the year over year change in in um, 28 different categories, and those categories. They account for most things people spend their money on. And the good news is that, uh, I mean, food inflation has been a big problem, but the, but the rate of food inflation, it, it was in double digits in 2022. It's now down to 1.7%. Uh, that, that is a normal range. Um, gasoline prices have fallen. That's another big barometer for a lot of people. Uh, they're down year over year, and I just looked at gas prices. The average nationwide is $3.10. I think most people can live with that. We may even get gas prices averaging less than $3 by the end of the year. But rent is the one, is the one holdout. So year-over-year year rent is um, rents are still going up at 6.9%. Incomes are going up by 4%. So rents are still going up by more than incomes. Yeah. And then that, that's just that's just causing hardship for people. I mean, there is some good news. There's there are some solid reasons to think that rents are going to come down uh, in the coming months. But the data that we're looking at here just doesn't show that yet. And rent is a lagging data point, right? Because right. uh, once, once you, you sign the lease, like you, you got it for a year at least. So rent is kind of a weird thing to measure in terms of cost, uh, because, you know, with a with a dozen eggs, you, you go out and you measure what a dozen eggs cost at the store today, but you don't you can't really do that with rent because you're trying to measure a combination of new rents, uh, new leases, I mean, that people are signing now, but also old leases that people signed in the past and they still have. There are other indicators that are not part of this official inflation data um, and actually do measure the rents that people are signing. They've been going down for four months in a row. So what that means is if you have your if you're going to sign a new lease coming up, um, you might get a break. Um, if you're staying in the same place, you may have some bargaining power. 
course, your landlord may not just offer you a, uh, you know, a cheaper lease. Yeah. Maybe you have to negotiate for it. But if, if people who are renting should know that um, pri- the pri- pricing power is diminishing and that renters are gaining a little more leverage uh, to to ask for uh, either a decline in their rent or at least a smaller increase. So people should do that, for sure. We're speaking with Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. His piece is called, There's Only One Type of Inflation Left. And as he says, it's rent. So you touched on it earlier. What does 2024 look like then for rent and maybe for housing overall? Well, it's dangerous to make economic predictions, of course. But if, you know, based on mainstream forecasts, we're going to have a we're going to have a slowing economy, but probably not a recession. And the so-called soft landing does does seem to be coming into view. This means uh, the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates to get inflation down. It actually seems to be working. Inflation is coming down um, without causing a recession so far. I mean, things could look different six months from now. Maybe they overshot, and maybe we are going to s- start seeing job losses and layoffs and a rising unemployment rate. The problem here, Gordon, you and I have talked about this before, is that we don't yet, for the most part, have declining prices. We don't have deflation, which means we we have it in a few categories, which we've talked about. But overall, prices are not going down. So all the inflation that we've had during the last two years, it's still there. Uh, We're just seeing um, lower rates of inflation now. Thanks, Rick. Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Senate negotiators failed Sunday to reach a deal on a framework for a border security measures that Republicans have demanded as a condition of passing new funding for Ukraine, further slimming the chances of any vote before Christmas. Republican Senator John Cornyn on Fox. For the last, uh, well, the years I've been in the Senate for quite a while now, all we've done is talk about it. But now we intend to use this leverage uh, to do something about it. The lack of a breakthrough underscores the difficulties facing the Senate talks, even after the Biden administration signaled it was prepared to make significant concessions on immigration policy. Number two. The Biden campaign slammed former President Trump for echoing Nazi sentiments with his repeated statements on Saturday night that immigrants are poisoning the blood of the U.S. In a statement, Biden-Harris 2024 campaign spokesperson Amar Musa said Donald Trump channeled his role models as he parroted Adolf Hitler, praised Kim Jong-un and quoted Vladimir Putin while running for president on a promise to rule as a dictator and threaten American democracy. The Republican frontrunner most recently repeated the anti-immigrant remarks at a New Hampshire rally and in a Truth Social post. A Trump campaign spokesperson said, quote, President Trump gave a great speech. Number three. Israeli forces launch fresh attacks throughout the night across the Gaza Strip as the U.N. Security Council plans to vote on a demand that Israel and Hamas allow aid access to the Palestinian enclave. Gaza's health ministry says one Israeli strike on the Jabalia refugee camp in northern Gaza on Sunday killed 90 Palestinians. Democratic Senator Chris Van Holten on ABC reiterated that the U.S. supports Israel. We are with them entirely in the objective of ending the military threat. But again, uh, we need to make sure that our values are reflected in this so long as we are providing 
uh, all of this equipment. The Israeli government said it operated against militant targets and that it takes extraordinary measures to avoid hitting civilians. It looks like we're eating way too much junk food. Researchers at Ohio State say adults in the U.S. actually average four meals per day with one entirely made up of junk food. They discovered adults consume up to 500 calories throughout the day in non-nutritious treats. The hefty total makes up nearly a quarter of our daily calorie intake and about one-third of daily added sugar. Okay, who looked at my meal log? <laughs> Just once, I want you to come on and say, a new study finds that Doritos uh, lower cholesterol you and blood pressure. don't eat junk. You do not. You know, too much of it. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for being with us. You may have uttered this phrase throughout the year. You couldn't pay me to hang out with coworkers outside of work. You may be using it again during the holidays, but what if your company essentially paid you to socialize with coworkers, the software company Athena is trying it. Here's Julie Bauke, career expert known as Julie on the job. Julie, what's up here? We've talked a lot of times about the, the conundrum between what employers want and what employees want. And when it comes to that, when you, when you get beyond the location that you're going to require me to work in, we still have, and that's an ongoing situation. But we also know separately that work gets done, good things happen when you have relationships with people. You know, when you know people, when you know of them, when you feel positively about them, when you, you know, when they aren't just a number or a face on a screen. And so what this company is trying to do is look, and I give them credit for trying stuff because we don't, we don't know what the answer is. They're saying, you know, sometimes we do big company parties at the holidays and nobody wants to come to that. You know, or very few people do. So what if instead of doing that, we took that budget and we gave it to you to utilize, to socialize on your terms with your colleagues. Hmm. Maybe you want to get a group together to go ax throwing. Maybe you want to go to top golf. Um, and what they're, what this company has said is, look, we're not going to police it. If there's two or more of you, what they're saying is you can expense it because we believe that the value of spending time together is it can't be overstated. And what they're also saying is we have also realized that forcing you to come yeah, in yeah. is not working either. So where are we? What can we do in between there? So I, I, I'll tell you what, I give real credit to anybody who is. Um, who's trying things that might sound crazy to us, but so did keeping all your pictures and your credit cards on your phone sound crazy several years ago. <laughs> so, I mean, companies already provide things like a stipend for training and development. Right, right. And they, so they're already providing some things. So what they're doing is what if we take this money and we provide it elsewhere? We're speaking with Julie Bauke, career strategist we know as Julie on the job. And we're talking about Athena, this software company that actually pays its employees to be social outside of work um are, are we exploring all the options here as yeah. companies you know for yeah. just as just because as you mentioned there's obviously been resistance to people returning to the office the old way of we know the old way is gone it's never coming back even though some people are refusing to admit this and embrace this so now we're in the now we're trying to figure out what that might look like and if we've said forcing you to come into the office and do things on our terms, we already know it's going to cause you to quit. It's going to cause you to go elsewhere. 
putting you in a room with people that you don't have anything in common with, okay, people are saying nah, baby, nah to that as well. So what if we don't do those things? What if we say, well, what if we incent you to spend time with, to get together with, to get out of your pajama pants and get out there with people who you do want to spend time with? Thanks, Julie. Julie Bauke, career expert we know as Julie on the job. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. We don't take sides. We deliver the information you need to start your day. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday, December 18. Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. No weekend agreement on Ukraine funding and border policy changes. Renewed pressure on Israel after its military accidentally killed three hostages. A car slammed into one of President Biden's motorcade vehicles in Delaware last night as the president exited campaign headquarters. No injuries. Gale force winds, heavy rain and flooding for much of the East Coast with 32 million people under a a wind advisory, Eagles and Seahawks in Monday Night Football, and how to work off some of your court fines in Montana. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Discover. Discover wants everyone to feel special with live 24-7 customer service. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. A Los Angeles nonprofit was given government land back in January of 2007 to build a few dozen units of affordable housing. They're finally hoping to open the building next year. Will Parker, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, has a look at Lorena Plaza in the predominantly Latino neighborhood of Boyle Heights in eastern Los Angeles. Will set this up. Yeah, that's right. So this is what's called permanent supportive housing. So it, it's not just that it's affordable. It's for specific groups of people. And in this case, it's, it's homes for people who experience mental illness or have been homeless at some point in the past. Um, and there's been, you know, an increasing focus on, on providing more of that sort of housing, you know, more policies to, to do it. Uh, but, you know, in the case of this particular project that we, that we highlighted, um, it, it wasn't easy, and it's taken almost two decades to build what is, you know, a relatively modest amount of apartments. It's 49. It's a, you know, five-story building. Um, it's, it's not a large project by any means. Wow. All right. So what kind of hurdles do you face in Los Angeles as a developer for 17 years? I mean, there, there's too there's too many to list, really. But, the, you know, they kind of fall into a few categories. I mean, you know, a couple of things 
just at the administrative level are, are, are pretty arduous and, and take longer periods of time than they do in, in many other cities. Just getting your basic permitting approved, getting your zoning approved, this has tended to take you know uh, much longer than I think what, what most people agree that that it should, and that other cities are now you know doing things to streamline that process in a way that Los Angeles you know hadn't been for for a long time. But there's also issues with you know, community opposition. There's there's problems with politicians, uh, city council members in Los Angeles who have for years exerted uh, special power over uh, you know uh, the ability of a developer to build anything in their district. And then there's funding, especially for affordable housing, which comes from the federal government, state government, city government. They all have different processes, and there's a lot of middlemen uh, between the builders and the funding. So it's really this web of, of issues uh, that you know collectively can hold up projects for a really long time. We're speaking with Will Parker, housing reporter at the Wall Street Journal. His story is called California is Desperate for Affordable Housing but Can't Stop Getting in Its Own Way. Uh, does Los Angeles actually have housing goals? Yeah, they do. I mean, they've the city and state have, in recent years, set very ambitious goals for how much housing they'd like to see built. You know, Los Angeles has had a goal to build something like 450,000 units over the course of about a, a decade. Uh, the state, you know, the Governor Newsom has has given a few different numbers over time. 3.5 million was something he campaigned on. That's since been scaled down to 2.5. But, but both of these figures, the city and state, are, are dramatically higher than what you know, the current levels of housing construction that you're seeing you know, in Los Angeles or elsewhere in California uh, would, would indicate it is possible. Um, things are moving in that direction, but it's still you know, falling short of, uh, of these ambitious goals. You referenced to uh, the community of Woodside, which is a suburb in the Bay Area. What's happening in Woodside? Um, you know, there was a, a piece of legislation passed a couple of years ago in the state of California to basically force community or cities to allow a slightly more dense building pattern. So, for example, places where there are single-family homes, allowing duplexes on, on those same lots. Uh, there are a lot of places that really do not like this bill, uh, were really opposed to it. You know, some cities have, have sued uh, the state government over it. In the case of Woodside, they came up with a more creative method to try to sidestep it, which was they would declare uh, their town to be a mountain lion sanctuary, uh, which very quickly caught the attention of uh, State Attorney General and wow. um, uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife there in California, who said that's actually not something that you can do. So uh, that, that was a short-lived uh, maneuver by that town. Goodness. How long should it take something to be built? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, it, it depends on the, you know, the average building over the last decade in Los Angeles, uh, according to some studies, has taken about four years to build. Thank you, Will. Will Parker, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. You know the question is coming when you see family and friends this holiday season. Here's the question. How's work? Few questions are higher stakes when it comes to how everyone thinks you're doing and what they'll gossip about after getting together. Luckily, these questions are easy to fudge or finesse if necessary. Here's Callum Borchers, columnist at the Wall Street Journal. Cal, what have you found? 
Well, you can sort of deflect or just sort of keep it at a surface level, Gordon. The people who say that they've been able to handle this question easily say those are some of the keys or just changing the subject, quite frankly. It sounds simple enough, right? It's kind of a thoughtful thing, like talking about the weather or the, or the traffic. Hey, how's work going? You know, no big deal. Except that uh, it, it can feel very high stakes because you're with your relatives, maybe, or some friends you haven't seen in a while. And the update you give is going to decide whether you look like a success or an underachiever in their eyes. Uh, and then, of course, there's the game of what other people are saying about their careers and does yours measure up? So this is actually mm. a real anxiety provoker for a lot of folks. So you referenced that there are a couple of different types of people who will handle these questions. There's like the exaggerators or the show-offs. Like explain those types. Yeah, I mean, sometimes people, when they feel like they have to answer a, a difficult question like that, and you're trying to get maybe relatives off your back, there, there's a tendency to maybe exaggerate how successful uh, your career is going right now. And, and that's probably harmless enough, except that it can kind of lead to this game of one-upsmanship or make others kind of feel self-conscious. I mean, I, I spoke with a, a psychotherapist, for example, who says this has been a real hot topic in her sessions this month, folks coming to her and saying, hey, how do I handle this kind of question? And, and how do I deal with the inadequacy that I feel when I hear, you know, uh, cousin Susie giving this really great update on her career. Uh, and the guidance, which I thought was really smart, is, you know, don't take at face value what others say about their own careers. It's not that everybody's lying, but keep in mind that they may also be embellishing a little bit. And so if you're feeling like maybe you don't measure up, well, don't be so sure that, uh, you know, cousin Susie's career is as fabulous as she's making it out to be. We're speaking with Cal Borchers, columnist at The Wall Street Journal. His piece is called The One Question Everyone Dreads from Friends and Family. And that is, how's work when you're gathered for the holidays. How about the, the guy you profiled, Sean Riley, who, who founded Dude Wipes? What happened like the first time when he was launching this at a, at a holiday get-together? Yeah, I love this example because, you know, Sean and his business partners, God bless him. I mean, they came up with a clever idea, but basically their product, Gordon, is a baby wipe for grownups. And you know, I'm, I'm laughing as I say it, and his relatives laugh too. He says they thought it was a gag gift, they, like they'd be trading this at the white elephant the next year. When you get together, yeah, hey, hey, Sean, how's, you know, how's work? What are you up to? And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm building a company called Dude Wipes for, uh, you know, baby wipes for, for adult men. Uh, it's actually a serious product. Mm -hmm. And it, it, he went on Shark Tank with it. He got an investment from Mark. Cuban. You can find it on the stores in Walmart now. So he got the last laugh for sure. But at the time, it was it was not the easiest to explain. He says, look, if you get into my line of work, you have to be willing to just roll with it. That's funny. Uh, that the, the Lydia Eager, uh, I, I believe she was like uh, heading to Wisconsin for the holidays or something like that. And she had taken some time off because she had, what'd you say, fun employment uh, during a layoff. But she didn't want pity. I thought that was interesting. There's another angle here. That's right. Lydia is a great example. I think a lot of folks can relate to this experience. She loses her job, you know, around May uh, of last year, takes some time off, gets back at it. And she was one of those folks who had job offers rescinded. That was a real problem for a lot of folks last year. And so, you know, come the fall, she's starting to sweat. And it's not just about paying the bills. She told me I, I couldn't imagine having to go home to see my relatives in Wisconsin without something new lined up. And it's not they wouldn't have been supportive, but it would have been, the, oh, honey, that's okay. You'll find something soon. Yeah. You know, she just really didn't want to have to listen to that. So uh, fortunately for her, she landed something before going home for the holidays and breathed a sigh of relief and didn't have to deal with it. But I think a lot of folks can relate to that experience. How about the guy uh, Hoffman uh, from, from Past Sight? What did he go through? 
Well, I, I love Michael Hoffman's experience because uh, he, he's he's been you know up and he's been down. And so the down was when he had his first managerial job about a decade ago. And he says, by his own admission, he bombed. He, he was not good in, in the role, but he sure didn't tell people that when he got together on the holidays. He said, oh, yeah, the new job is great. So we sort of, you know, fibbed a little bit. Well, now he says business is pretty good, but he's an entrepreneur. And uh, and, you know, some some of the financial backers of his startup are his friends. Oh. And so he thought, oh, this is kind of a funny new <laughs> twist because now, you know, you get together with your friends and they say, how's work? You know, if it was just your your pals, you you, you know, you might sling the bowl a little bit and talk about how great work is. Well, this is more like investor relations. They have a stake in the company, so he has to give them a real answer. Thanks, Cal. Callum Borchers, columnist at The Wall Street Journal. The news. First, fast, and free of noise. You're listening to America's First News. This morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday, eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. An intense storm is barreling up the East Coast with heavy rain and strong winds that shattered rainfall records, forced water rescues from flooded streets, and washed out holiday celebrations. More than 12 inches of rain fell near Georgetown, South Carolina yesterday. Other cities in the southeast that saw substantial rain include Gainesville, Jacksonville, and Clemson, South Carolina. This owner of an ice cream shop in St. Augustine says it's the winter storms that often put her business at risk. On the nor'eastern specifically, we get a lot of the flooding up to our sidewalk, if not um, to the middle of it. Sometimes we've even got it in the shop itself, a couple feet in here. The tide in Charleston Harbor hit its fourth highest level on record. Number two. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is expected to press Israel to wind down major combat operations in Gaza on a visit today in the latest test of whether the U.S. can leverage its unwavering support for the offensive to blunt its devastating impact on Palestinian civilians. France, the U.K., and Germany, some of Israel's closest allies, joined global calls for a ceasefire over the weekend. And Israeli protesters have demanded the government relaunch talks with the militant group on releasing more hostages after three were mistakenly killed by Israeli troops while waving a white flag. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has insisted Israel will keep fighting until it removes Hamas from power. Number three. A sedan crashed into a Secret Service vehicle that was part of President Biden's motorcade in Delaware last night. Following the crash, U.S. Secret Service agents whisked Biden into a vehicle. Agents quickly surrounded the sedan with guns drawn and aimed at the driver who had his hands up. The cause of the crash was not immediately clear. The Bidens had just emerged into the rain from re-election campaign headquarters in downtown Wilmington. No one was injured. A good chocolate chip is simple. Where is this? It's just weird. What's happening? Oh, that's a chocolate that makes it fly. Well, let's find out, shall we? Who's for a hover job? <laughs> Nothing to see here. Just a small group of people defying the laws of gravity. Wonka debuted with $39 million in box office sales over the weekend. That made it a strong start for the Timothy Chalamet starring Willy Wonka musical. Wonka, which cost about $125 million to produce, was the first big Hollywood release to launch following the end of the SAG-AFTRA actor strike. All right. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for being with us for the third year in a row, a city in southwest Montana is embracing the holiday spirit by allowing defendants to pay off some of their court fines with donations to the local food bank. Butte, Montana launched the initiative in 2019. According to City Judge Jerome McCarthy, CNN says the project has brought in thousands of pounds of canned food for the Butte Emergency Food Bank. The program is possible because of Montana's criminal procedure statute, which states that, quote, a court may permit 
a part or all of a fine to be satisfied by a donation of food to a food bank program. The judge says donating food also provides an emotional boost for defendants paying off their fines. Hundreds have participated. This year's Donation for Fine program opened December 1 and will end this Thursday. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Dave Duncan, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.